0: Are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be chatting with David Ramil from Locked On Heat as the Miami Heat hold on for the win in Game 3 against the Boston Celtics behind a huge night from Bam Adebayo stepping up with no Jimmy Butler in the second half for Miami. Then we chat with Cyrus Satsas of Locked On Warriors. The Golden State Warriors go up 3-0 against the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals behind a pair of impressive games from Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. Are the Mavericks in danger of getting swept? Lastly... We chat with Richard Stamen of Locked on NBA Big Board to discuss implications from the NBA draft lottery, who were the winners and losers from that night, and who should go number one overall in this year's draft and more. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now is David Ramil from Locked on Heat and Locked on NBA. You can follow on Twitter at DRamil13. David, the Miami Heat taking a 2-1 edge in this conference final series against the Boston Celtics, washing the taste out of their mouths of that 25-point loss in South Beach, coming away 109-103 win in game three of this series and the MVP of this game for the heat without a question has to be bam out walked away from this game with 31 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, four steals, one block, stepped up in a really big way with no Jimmy Butler in the second half of this one. But my question is, you know, what, do the Heat need to do, or more, maybe more specifically, what does Bam Adebayo need to do more of to have these strong performances more consistently? Is it just a matter of being more
1: aggressive, or, or you know, maybe the offense actively running through him a bit more? What is it? It's a combination of a lot of different factors. For one, Bam has never really been required to be the go-to score on a team with Jimmy Butler or uh, other scores that have been on this team in the past. Bam has never really been counted on to provide that kind of scoring punch. Now, his playoff numbers have been lower than even his usually low numbers during the regular season. Having said that, Game 3 was a combination of all these different things playing in Bam's favor. For one, it was the return of Kyle Lowry. Two, Robert Williams was out. And then three, to your point, Bam just said, you know what? I need to be more aggressive. He spoke about it after the game, talked to media and said, you know, I have to be more aggressive, recognize that there was – Something needed of him on the offensive end of things, and it worked out really, really well. Again, with that combination of all those factors, he wound up having a very, very effective game he looked to get to the basket early, and he saw a lot of daylight there because no Williams, no no sh- legitimate shot blocker. He could take advantage of his speed against an older Al Horford. He can use his strength when he goes match up against you know Marcus Smart or smaller wing players, and so he was able to just get to the basket. And then with Lowry there directing the offense again, this was Lowry's first game in this series. He was able to find Bam on cuts initiate offense, would dump it into him into the low post, and get Bam going early on. And once he started hitting those first few shots, we started to see this snowball effect where he was more and more aggressive throughout the rest of the game.
0: Would you like to see? And I know you mentioned, you know, the the return of Kyle Lowry. We're going to hit on that here in, in just a moment. Of course, uh, one of the bigger storylines from this game. But would you like to see Bam, you know, take a bigger role and maybe take more ownership over, you know, his offensive role within this, you know, Miami Heat team? Obviously, when Jimmy Butler is out there on the floor, he's going to be kind of the go-to guy. You've got guys like Tyler Hero. You've got other bucket getters. But at the same time, right. it seems like the Heat might be, you know, better when he's got a <laughs> bigger role offensively. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I think there's just some balance. Like, if Jimmy had been able to play the whole game, and even in the minutes that Jimmy was out there during the first half, like he seemed more traditionally passive than what we've seen from him, certainly during the playoffs when he's been one of the leading scorers in the postseason. So, there has to be a balance there, a blend. And, And honestly, I am in the very distant minority as far as Heat fandom and Heat cover, you know, people who cover the team in general, because to me, I know what I recognize what Bam does and his impact in so many different areas defensively as the central hub for the playmaking and things of that sort. So I recognize what BAM can do and don't necessarily require him to be more aggressive. There are times where I'd like to see him be more active. Usually that's not the case. Yes, I guess I agree with you. It is fun to see this version of BAM because he is such a unicorn, right? He is this combination of size and speed that we rarely see at this position. And given all that, he should look to get to the basket more but you don't want him to force it. You don't want him to force those kinds of actions that lead to turnovers, particularly when you're playing a game that's as good defensively as the Celtics are. So I think it was mostly him dictating the pace, but also fighting it within the flow of what the defense was allowing.
0: Now, Miami led by as many as 26 in this one. It, it looked like it was going to be a blowout the whole way through, no contest, what have you. Second half, Boston rallies. They 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 make a push. They cut this game to a one point lead just under three minutes to go. I, I know missing Jimmy Butler played into you know uh, you know probably a big part of of the revival for the Celtics in the second half. But what else really stood out to you, David, as the lead was diminished?
1: Well. Boston was finally starting to hit shots. They got a lot of emotional support from their fans who had been basically just taken completely out of it in the first half. They were booing that crowd. And, and look, the, the lead was 15 points at halftime, and already you start to see, well, they're starting to get a little bit more momentum in their favor. Once Jimmy sets out to start the second half, Victor Oladipo still kind of finding his footing there, and he played a great game defensively. Offensively, he was struggling to some degree. And then it just was a matter of time for them to get big shots after big shots from either Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, or somebody else. And I think that really started to chip away at that lead. Eventually, Miami has done what they've done all season, which is find their identity, continue to hold off the opponent, do what they have to do. Whether it's without Jimmy, without Bam, without Lowry, or somebody else, they always find a way you know just carve out a victory and that's exactly what it was. It was a perfect heat win for this season because it's just very symbolic of the way that they found a way to win all season even while they've been missing key players.
0: And speaking of hitting big shots and speaking of missing some key players, uh the guy who stopped the bleeding when it was, you know, just cut down to a 1 point lead, Max Struz hit a a huge three-pointer uh and then the heat went on to score a few more points, kind of give themselves a little bit of a buffer there in the closing moments of this game, but this Max Bruce has one of the best NBA stories, right, David? You yeah. you got a guy with no, not invited to the draft combine, undrafted, bounced around on a couple two ways, two way deals, had an ACL injury and managed to recover from all of that, you know, against all the odds. Now he's starting for the Miami Heat in the conference finals. Just how big has his impact been for this Heat team?
1: Well, I think they've only lost three games in total. There was a regular season loss at the end of the season, but once he was inserted in the starting lineup in place of Duncan Robinson, they went on a long win streak and then they kicked it off in the playoffs. They've really only with the the whole lineup in tech, they've only lost a handful of games with Struis in there. And it's just, he's evolved into a much more dynamic player than what we expected. The shooting was always there and maybe he was pigeonholed to some degree, but he also brings an extra little athleticism that Duncan does not, his defense has vastly improved. I was criticized by some fans when I said earlier in the season that Robinson was a better defender than Max Strews because he was. He really was a much, certainly a much better team defender. But Max has been able to just find a way – to move his feet more effectively over the course of the season. Maybe it's just with more experience, just as being put into a position where he can't succeed. There are still moments there where he struggles defensively, and I think that will always be a weakness of his game. But overall, he attacks the basket. He's constantly in motion in a way that Robinson is not. And he knocks down big shots. He's willing to do so. He spoke after the game about Lowry actually drawing up the play that you mentioned and kicking it out to a wide-open Struce after a screen from Bam Adebayo and P.J. Tucker to get him wide open. And he had all the confidence in the world. Like This is a player who two years ago wasn't even in the league, right? He was a two-way deal. And now all of a sudden, he's just a major contributor as a starter on an Eastern Conference finalist team. That's amazing. His journey, as you said, was a fantastic one. And he's really stepped up over the course of the season to really provide a scoring punch for this team.
0: Now Kyle Lowry made his return in this game to the tune of 11 points, 6 assists, 4 steals, 4 of 11 shooting. Uh, look, Lowry missed a couple games against Atlanta, 4 games against Philly, missed the first yep. two against Boston. Is is he back for good or is this injury situation going to be one that just continues to be monitored where we should expect him to maybe miss more time, you know, depending on how much further the heat go in the playoffs.
1: I can't say for certain uh, that he traditionally have been very quiet about injuries like this. So it's kind of left to guesswork. But, you know, given his age uh, and the fact that he has tried to come back from the hamstring during the Sixers series and then wound up having to take more rest. I think it's going to continue to be a concern if Miami is able to advance past Boston into the NBA finals. There's always that possibility, especially, again, given his age. But I would say that he's probably going to continue to play through it. I think, you know, he, we heard rumblings that he was going to be available in the Sixers series had it gone seven. That obviously wasn't necessary. They were able to put him away in six. And then he wanted to rest him because this team does see themselves as a legitimate title contender. They had a bigger eye on the prize. And so they wanted to make sure that Lowry was going to be healthy. And so that's why they sent him out in uh, the first couple of games against the Celtics. Having said that, when the Celtics blew him out in game two, it was clear that they needed something different, and Lowry absolutely provided. So the injury is going to be a concern. But what he brings to the table, it's never really been precipitated on any kind of athleticism or anything like that. He's not going to be—he's not going to be the most active player out there. Certainly not at this age. But he gets it done. It's the leadership, the the ability to be vocal and communicate with his teammates to find buy Bayo, to find cutters, to orchestrate the offense and the defense. And he provides this kind of a spark even at his age. He was absolutely a huge part of Miami's win yesterday and certainly down to stretch when they were able to pull away and seal the the victory.
0: The ability to get those guys in the spots that they need to be in to succeed. One of the true, you know, best floor generals left in the game currently as we're seeing the NBA trend towards more dynamic guard play with guys who are maybe not traditional point guards by any stretch of the imagination. But, You know, David, I'm like looking at these two teams and I'm legitimately concerned that like whichever team comes out of this series is just going to be like hobbling towards the finish line because you see Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum dealing with injuries. No Robert Williams. You've got the Miami Heat dealing with all their, you know, various injuries. And whoever's going to come out west is just going to look at this team and it's going to be like the Toon Squad from Space Jam, just all beat up on the bench. (laughs) Um, Last thing here, David, just what needs to be the most important thing? for the Miami Heat as they approach game four of this series, the thing that they need to be focusing on the most?
1: Well, I think it's a defensive pressure. A lot of their offense seems like it's just built off of that tenacity. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not the Heat won the game or whether the Celtics lost it. But if you go back and look at the shots and the footage and the turnovers and everything else like that, a lot of it was just based on Miami having that steadying presence in the first half that they got away from when Jimmy Butler wound up sitting out the second half and, you know, changed the course of the game. And then they were able to kind of regain it. So it, to me, it's a lot of that defense and building their offense off of that. They, they, you know, they have struggles with their three point shot, a surprise considering the fact that, you know, they were one of the, They were leading the league in three-point percentage during the regular season. They just haven't been able to find that three-point shot. Tyler Hero, I think he's going to get his minutes cut even more because he struggled in this playoff series against the Celtics. He struggled against the Sixers as well. He just really hasn't been able to find his touch so far. So for this team... If you're going to be going through players in and out, because at this point I would imagine you know an injury is bound to happen just because we've seen that happen regularly during the playoffs, uh, I think you just continue to lean into your defensive identity, shut down what Boston does well, pressure them, force those turnovers. And luckily this team does have that kind of depth. They were able to bring in a guy like Oladipo who didn't play at all or hardly played during the regular season, and he was a huge factor in yesterday's win. So that's, to me, the areas of focus. Just continue to pressure. Ball handlers like Tatum and Brown in particular, whose dribble was a little shaky, get him to force turnovers. And then that leads to fast break opportunities that they can continue to build off throughout the course of the game.
0: Can the Miami Heat come out on top in game four against the Boston Celtics? Take a commanding 3-1 series lead. You're going to have us covered for all of that and more, of course, over at Locked on Heat. David, appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me. Coming up, the Golden State Warriors are on the verge of sweeping the Dallas Mavericks after going up 3-0 in their Western Conference Finals series. Who stepped up for the Warriors in Game 3? But first, a quick message from our friends over at Saqqara, because Feeling good and feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools that you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted meals are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your doorstep, ready to eat. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners twenty percent off their very first order when you go to sakara.com/slash lockedon20 or enter code lockedon20. At checkout. That's Sakara, S A K A R A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your very first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, as always, appreciate you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now is Cyrus Satsas from Locked On Warriors. You can follow on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow. Cyrus, the Warriors in, in the driver's seat in this series, taking complete control against the Dallas Mavericks, now up 3-0 after their 109 100 win at the American Airlines Center. Just complete, you know, this is this is uh, this is not looking great for the Dallas Mavericks. There's no other way to put it. Um Warriors now at 3-0. This is now their 26th. Playoff series with at least one road win. And across NBA history, not like in the last decade, not the last 20 years, NBA history, no team has ever lost after leading 3-0. The current record, 146-0. and So if the Warriors, if this iteration of the Warriors are the first team to fumble that, uh, I think there'd be a lot of shocked faces. And I don't exactly expect Dallas to reel off four wins in a row. Dallas might get another game or two here in the series, but... It looks very firmly in hand for the Warriors, but in this game specifically, Cyrus, this was 48 47 at halftime. Yep. The Warriors cling, you know, had a one point lead. What changed in that third quarter for the Warriors to take so much to take just completely take command of the game?
2: It's a, I want to first knock on wood for that, uh, that, for that, that three no record because you're right, no one's ever come back from that, but. Uh, we just saw in the opening round the Raptors were kind of pushing the Sixers to the edge there with their 3-0 lead. Um, I the third, I mean, the, the Warriors have just—if there's anything they've truly like turned into an art or a science or a combination of things—it's their third quarters. I mean, Steve Kerr is just truly brilliant when it comes to adjustments. Uh, you know, for anyone who knocks him in terms of his ex's nose, a watch what he crafts. Uh, when it comes to an inbound play and watch how the team responds in third quarters they make adjustments they don't they don't stay stagnant and um, that always signifies to me a great coach in, in terms of their fingerprints on a game is what adjustments does a team make because oftentimes you the strategy you come into a game with just doesn't work and like you said it was 48-47 but ultimately I, I really think that 48-47 score was closer than the game indicated I I, I really didn't see much difference uh in the third quarter I saw both teams shooting not great from on the arc Uh, I think the Warriors finished the game uh shooting 34.4 percent and the Mavericks were much worse at 28.9 uh you know as as efficient as the Warriors have been this series and and tonight included with the road game I mean the the Mavericks are kind of part of it is them just I, I don't think they're ready for this moment I mean the Western Conference Finals are just a whole other level that most if not all of them have never experienced before um, but players like Maxi Kleber, for example, who came into this game shooting 49% from three uh, in tonight's game, he went over five and he looks like scared out there. He had no points. Um, You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, eh, besides the obvious being Luka Doncic, they're really the only two that are consistently contributing in this series and, and causing problems, if you call it that for the Warriors. I mean, I, I just think the third quarter was just kind of a, a, a more proper adjustment of the score that wasn't reflected in the first half. And yeah, the Warriors had this in control from beginning to end.
0: Yeah. The Dallas Mavericks had just an atrocious night with so many of their role players who normally show up their their resident, you know, shooters, Reggie Bullock, Oh, 10. Like, uh, you know, that's, that's their, that's supposed to be their guy in their starting lineup who hits all the shots. And I, I do think, you know, a part of this was just, the Dallas Mavericks got some good shots in this game. But the other part that really stood out to me, uh, Cyrus looking at the warriors and just their play in this game was the way that their defense forced the Mavericks into things that they weren't yes. comfortable doing. Right. They, they were running. So those guys off their, you know, off their spots at the three point line we saw. And I, again, to your credit with, Coach Steve Kerr is some of the you know creative different defensive schemes that we saw the Warriors throwing at the Mavericks mm-hmm. in the second half to keep Luka Doncic off balance to keep the Mavericks guessing. Right, they would kind of hedge on the picks, then they would run some box and one, they'd run some zone, and it's that level of creativity with the defense that makes it so hard to game plan against them offensively.
2: Yeah, it it, it is, but uh, you know, I, I I I have we have to bring up Andrew Wiggins, right? I this is a player who uh there's been a lot of speculation about his future with the team you know unfortunately it's being brought up repeatedly in the postseason uh despite it bearing no relevance at this point but he's I think he's making the front office rethink whatever their long-term plans are with him and really it's not the money for him that is the sole reason that there's a lot of discussions about him possibly being traded because he does want another Max year or a Max contract after uh, his contract expires next year but it's also the fact that at some point you're going to have to give Jonathan Kaminga minutes and there's only so many minutes to give out on this team and those two play a very similar position. And um, but that 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 poster dunk tonight that he did on Luca was just I mean, when you talk about plays like single plays, that really just demoralize the opposition and just take all the wind out of. Uh, an arena filled with 20,000 plus fans. That was it. I, I would love to get a non-Warriors fans perspective on that because first of all, when I saw the offensive call, I think I, I was just up in arms and I'm really uh, f- happy that Kerr uh, challenged that right. And you know, that they saw that it was in fact not an offensive foul, but Wiggins is just playing lights out in this postseason, And I mean, his numbers tonight, I think he had a career playoff high, 27 points, 11 rebounds, um you know he, he sticks out I mean Stephen Curry is the obvious one uh you know he's on track to win his fourth world title in eight years they got to win five more there's so long ways to go but you know that one finals MVP is the the one little blotch on his resume that eludes him from really any remaining argument for him really being in that ultimate pantheon of like the top 10 all-time greats if, and, and that's now on his right in front of him again potentially I mean they got to win one more still I, I don't want to overlook the Mavericks they did get this far for a reason but um, it, look, I, I could say this dub nation right now is in a weird place because, on one hand, they're just exuberant, uh, they're elated, but the, but in, on the other hand, they're just kind of like in awe, you know. I mean, it's just it's, it's um, this team, I, you, I don't think any Warriors team can be comparable to those Kevin Durant teams, especially the first two that won championships. But I, I'm confident in saying this team is better than the 2015 one, um, you know, their core is. You know, they're older, but the experience is showing a lot more. Uh, they're not past their prime yet. And then you have someone like Andrew Wiggins. You have players like Jordan Poole. Um, let's hope Otto Porter Jr. comes back. But this is a deep team. And Kevon Looney's now looking like a legit NBA center. He had another uh, a great rebounding night with 12 rebounds. So sorry to talk forever there. I, I'm going off. But it, it's this Warriors team is damn impressive. And I, I'm curious to see what happens the rest of this postseason.
0: Cyrus, this is your segment. It's your job to talk. No, um, look, look, man, you know, to, to your point about Andrew Wiggins, right? I mean, his impact cannot be understated for this Warriors team. And you look at just not even, not even just the offensive production that he brought to the table, but defensively, right? He's He's been mirroring Luka Doncic's minutes. Like, Luka subs out, Wiggins subs out. Luka subs back yeah. in, Wiggins subs back in. You know, that's been part of the game plan for Steve Kerr. And then you mentioned Jordan Poole, right? This game. You know, even though the Warriors were largely in control uh, for the majority of that second half, the Mavericks did go on that bit of the run there, you know, in in the fourth quarter, trying to cut this game, trying to make it a game, you know, as the minutes were winding down. And they cut it to five with about a minute left to go. And then who else but Jordan Poole to come up with the clutch three-pointer because, hey, the Mavericks decided that at that point in the game, they had to double Steph Curry. You double Steph Curry, he commands all that gravity. Yeah. Clay Thompson, I believe, drives it in, kicks it out to Jordan Poole, hits the wide open three. And that's how the Warriors kill you, right? Is you have to commit two to Curry. And then now they have so many weapons. You know, it's basically pick your poison at this point with this team.
2: Yeah. And and the Jordan Poole thing, again, he didn't have like a great stat night tonight. Uh, I think he finished the game uh, with 10 points, but that dagger three at the end really did seal it. And I mean, again, he's he's a player that uh, just a year ago um was really being ridden off maybe a little over a year ago I mean this is not a player that people anticipated reaching this level uh, especially still only 22 years old um you know and he's he's developed his game to the point where he can get where he wants to go uh, on the court his handles are incredible his footwork is is exemplary I mean you know, people were talking last series that maybe there was something slick under his shoes this is like a legitimate concern like people were asking like is something wrong with the shoes is it slippery on the court that's just how he moves he's just got this like michael jackson type footwork it's really crazy like like uh the, the way he gets around and he's incredibly hard to defend um so this yeah this, uh, jordan Poole has just been fantastic I, I don't know what else to say in terms of his contribution um i was really fascinated personally oh l- let me take a step back here the, the andrew wiggins thing which you said about him shadowing luca's minutes uh wiggins in game six last round uh against the grizzlies and you know i'm in the minority saying this but i'm gonna go all the way to then saying this that i really do believe the memphis grizzlies were the second best team in this postseason um and it's all downhill for the warriors as long as they stay healthy again the auto porter junior injury is a little concerning we'll see what happens there but in game six andrew wiggins uh shortly before tip off went to steve kerr and said I want Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones was filling in for for John ja Moran, and Tyus Jones is vastly underrated. He's he's a lights out a shooter, a ball handler. He plays great defense, um, and, and he's he's the type of player that gives the Warriors problems because he can. Sh- he, he he's lethal from deep. He's fast. It's hard to stay in front of him. But Andrew Wiggins said, "Coach, I want the assignment. I want to guard him from one end to the other, meaning full court, uh, a full court press." um he wanted to shadow his minutes and Kerr was like are you sure like this guy is smaller he's faster he's got an incredible endurance and agility and and uh and Wiggins is like I'll play all the minutes you need me to play if you want 48 I'll give you 48 and, and from that point on uh, Wiggins has taken on this this special extra uh, emphasis on defense and it's carried over from that game 6 now to Luca. and he's giving Luca problems he's like the exact kind of player that you really want to defend Luca, meaning like someone who's like six seven six eight, who's long, who's strong, like he, he muscles up to Luca when Luca's trying to back him down. Luca can really outmuscle most other players that defend him, and he's having a hard time doing that with Wiggins. I mean, look, no one's going to stop Luca, obviously, but all he can do is give him problems and make his shots hard. And Wiggins is taking that task to heart, and. You have to respect it. It's 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 effective. Again, you, you can't really judge it based on Luca's numbers because when you look at Luca tonight, 40 points, right? 11 rebounds. I mean, you would never think that Wiggins did a great job defensively, but it kind of reminds me of like uh, Andre Iguodala in the 2015 NBA Finals. They gave him Finals MVP because of his defense and LeBron James. LeBron still was putting huge numbers, but he was giving him enough problems to end up with the W in the win-loss column, and that's what the bottom line is. So, uh Yeah. That's that's what stuck out to me.
0: Hey, I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been so impactful for this Warriors team. I'm glad you brought up the anecdote about just his, you know his his desire right to take on that role, you know, for for this Warriors team and to to live up to you know that challenge of hey, give me give me the defensive assignment, I'll do whatever we need whatever I need yeah. to do for this team to win. But are the Warriors on their way to a sweep of the Dallas Mavericks, and after that, a Finals berth? potentially a fourth title in eight years you're gonna have us covered for all of that and more of course over at locked on warriors cyrus i appreciate you stopping by locked on nba with me
2: jackson i'll come on with you anytime you ask man it's always a pleasure thank you
0: Coming up, the NBA Draft Lottery results are in. The Orlando Magic coming away with the grand prize of the number one overall selection in the 2022 NBA Draft. Who are the winners and losers from the NBA Draft Lottery evening? Who's going to go number one overall in this year's NBA Draft? All of that and more coming up in just a moment. But first, a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find the latest odds, news, and sports sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is a continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, eSports, the NBA draft, and more. And speaking of the NBA draft, Right now at Bet Online, you can go take a look at the odds for who is going to go number one overall in this year's NBA draft. Right now, Jabari Smith Jr. is the favorite at minus 140 to be the number one overall selection. You got Chet Holmgren at plus 190, and then Paolo Bancaro, a distant third, at plus 475. So for that and more, head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you. Bet Online—it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, appreciate you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Free and available on all platforms. Also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search Locked On NBA. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Joining us now is credentialed draft expert Richard Stamen from the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. You can follow on Twitter at mavs draft now first richard my 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 condolences for the dallas mavericks i will give you that before we dive into our actual draft discussion uh they've still got you know one game left we'll see how that series plays out with the golden state warriors but let's focus on the draft here in this segment The NBA draft lottery was earlier this week. We learned the order that these teams would be picking in the draft, uh, in the upcoming NBA draft uh, right around the corner uh, later on in June, about a month away now, a little over a month away. And let's focus on the teams here at the top of the NBA draft lottery pecking order because it went chalk for the most part up until the Sacramento Kings wound up jumping up in the lottery pecking order, making it into the top four so if we take a look at the top five, the Orlando Magic came away with the number one overall selection, Oklahoma City at number two, Houston Rockets at number three, Sacramento Kings at number four, the Detroit Pistons at number five, and then the Indiana Pacers and Portland Trailblazers at six and seven, both getting knocked down a couple spots as the Sacramento Kings took that jump into the top four. Now, Richard, of the teams at the bottom of the league who were you know vying for the number one you know, selection in this year's NBA draft, Who had the most riding on this draft lottery and why, in your opinion?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, it was an unexpected, almost quiet draft lottery. Most years we've seen these big ripples. We only saw one team outside of the top five even jump. Seems pretty unexpected. Uh, You know, for the last few years, you've heard tanking is fixed, tanking is fixed, and this year really kind of almost went chalk to an extent unless you're really the Detroit Pistons who, uh, they were the team that fell to Houston also fell to, but, to a lesser degree, but you look at what Oklahoma city did. They now, a lot of people forgot they have the SGA pick from the Clippers who did not make the playoffs. So they have the 12th pick and they also moved up to number two. They gained a lot of leverage in this draft. They also have the 30th pick and they also have an early second round pick. They have a lot of room to grow from here. Uh, But ultimately the biggest winner was the Orlando magic. I mean, they, they're a team desperate, desperately in need for a star and a franchise changer. And that's, that's what they have a chance to do this draft.
0: Now, so obviously winning the draft lottery and coming away with the number one overall pick is really nice. And in that sense, the Magic did definitely, definitely won this draft lottery. But is there, are there some other teams, you know, in this mix? Uh, again, not a whole lot of movement here, but, you know, maybe somebody that you point to and you say, yeah, they also won, or maybe a team that lost here when you look at the way the draft lottery kind of shook out.
3: Yeah. And a weird, I mean, Detroit definitely lost this. They They needed a guy like the consensus big 4 Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Boncaro, Jaden Ivey. And I know that Cade Cunningham would have loved someone like Jabari Smith next to him at 3 and D premier forward. That would have been incredible, but you look at a team that that probably that probably won almost by moving back is is in a way the Indiana Pacers. I know it sounds weird. Five's a tough one. Would you really want to be the first team to kick off the the top four selections are likely to be at this rate? those big four that I just listed off, but you really want to be the team that has to kick it off with the next tier of players. And I don't know, Indiana almost not being in that driver's seat as the headliner might do them wonders.
0: Earlier we earlier this week we had Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the the consensus around the league or at least the feel around the league right now seems to be that Jabari Smith Jr and Chet Holmgren are the consensus top 2 in this draft of the you know uh, the top 4 the prospects that you kind of alluded to making up this you know kind of four player draft up at the top who do you see Orlando taking with that first overall pick
3: Yeah so the feel I'd always gotten talking to NBA scouts throughout the season was that Jabari Smith was ranked number one on a lot of boards, but the expectation remains that Chet Holmgren will be the number one pick. And you look at the Orlando Magic's just almost pedigree of these picks. They love the long guys. You look at the, the current GM of the Orlando Magic uh, in Hammonds. He took Thawne Maker and Giannis in, in Milwaukee. His entire reputation was the long athletes. And Chet Holmgren is very long. That is one of the things that pops out after him. you look at how skinny he is. Is just how long he is. And then the chance really to be that true unicorn, I, I think they're going to swing for the fences and take Chet. Not only see the consensus number one pick, but he's probably their number one pick too.
0: So Chet Holmgren to the Orlando Magic. Does that mean Jabari Smith to the Oklahoma City Thunder? Or do you think the Thunder might surprise some people and maybe make a bit of a reach and go for Paolo Banqueira or, or, or Jaden Ivey at the two spot?
3: Yeah, I know they're secretly hoping the Orlando Magic take Jabari Smith. I personally don't see it, but... I'd say there's a really good chance they take Paolo Boncaro being that first scoring option. And, you know, they really don't have that true first scorer mentality guy, even outside of maybe Trey Mann. He has the mentality, but he won't be a first scorer option in Oklahoma City next to SGA. And Boncaro being a forward, he addresses the positional needs that they have, plus the scoring needs next to SGA.
0: Okay. Last year, Richard, we saw Scotty Barnes selected fourth overall by the Toronto Raptors, which was kind of a surprise, breaking up what was largely thought to be the consensus top four of last year's draft with Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs uh, right there at the top of the draft. A lot of people had Jalen Suggs just pegged to be wearing a Raptors Jersey uh, who has the chance to be this year's version of, of that Scotty Barnes selection in terms of going, going higher than projected. And, and the extension uh, of that question is which team do you think you could see be poised to maybe make a reach at where they're, you know, selecting at the top of this year's draft?
3: Yeah, I think the, the answer of a player is shade on shade and sharp. He's a mystery. He's a great athlete, 6'6, seven foot wingspan, rumored 49 inch vertical, which, if he had participated in that in the combine, would have been the highest ever. So, freak athlete, raw project, number one recruit before he reclassified into Kentucky and putting himself into this draft. There's a real chance that someone takes a reach on him. Now, whenever you talk about draft reaches, it starts with one team, and it's the team this year picking number four, and it's the Sacramento Kings. I think uh, without, I'm not trying to necessarily pick on them, but. They do have a a proven history of doing that, and I think the Sacramento Kings are really the team that might make a splash. They're in a weird position, especially if the three front court players, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Boncaro, and Jabari Smith, go in front. They have no business taking Jaden Ivey with their current core. Shaden Sharp is a swing for the fences. You could be getting a guy who, in theory, could have been in play for number one next year, and you get him in number four. It's a good swing for the fences.
0: Are the Kings, the Kings find themselves in this funny position, right? Where they jumped up in the lottery, but they jumped up to the lowest spot at number four. Like they got some luck and so, some favor from the NBA draft gods. And then it just kind of turned around on them to put them in this precarious position where do you take another, do you take a Jaden Ivy at four? If, if you're the Kings, if the three bigs are off the board, and then how do you even factor that in with and Fox? Like what, you know, how awkward of a position are the Kings here with this number four overall selection?
3: Well, it's even more awkward because of the trade they made, trading Tyrese Halliburton away for Sabonis, given a lot of people thought he was the best po- the best player on the team, uh, but also, you know, the best guard of the three they've drafted in Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and, and Halliburton. So, look, if you said, oh, no, 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 we have to choose between these three, and we, we have to cut one, and we chose Halliburton, and then to right away, just counter that and say, hey, we're taking Jaden Ivey, actually. So I think it'd be a really I That's why I think somebody this year in unexpected five. And I, I think Jaden Ivy's the prime candidate.
0: How will the NBA draft pan out? Who jumps up? Who drops? What sleepers could arrive in the NBA draft? You're going to have us covered for all of that and more, of course, over at the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Richard, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check us out on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA, like, comment, subscribe, all of that. But as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.